Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. The memory of these events is still clear years later. It really frightened me at the time, but looking back, I don't know if it was evil at all. It just wanted to play, it seemed, and seemed perhaps lonely. I think it could have been perhaps the spirit of a child itself or something. Anyway, when I was eight, my bedroom and bed were arranged such that if I lay on my left-hand side, I could see the landing and the stairs. My bedroom was adjacent to the bathroom and toilet, so I could see when people went up and down the stairs and to the bathroom as well. I had a four-year-old sister too, and a newborn brother. My sister had her own bedroom, and the baby slept in my parents' bedroom. My sister would go to bed at least an hour before me, and the landing light would be left on until my parents went to bed. And one night, I was lying on my right-hand side, trying to go to sleep, when I felt a poke in my back. I spun around, and what I saw was a small dark shadow run out of the room across the landing and down the stairs. I presumed that it was my little sister, so I went downstairs and complained to my mum and dad that she had poked me and how come she was still up. My mum took me back upstairs and showed me that my little sister was still asleep in bed. I thought that she must have snook back into her bed, but when I checked, she was deeply asleep. Following nights, I tried to always lay on my left so that I could see who was poking me. Nothing happened, so I went back to normal. And a few nights later, the poking happened again. I jumped out of bed, ran into my sister's room and shouted at her to stop poking me. This woke her up and she started screaming and crying, obviously. I was told off by my mum and sent back to bed. But as I lay there watching the door, I saw this small dark shadow slowly slip through the door, cross the landing and head down the stairs again. Every now and then when I would lay on my right, the poking would happen again and I'd see the shadow running away. I tried telling my parents, but they thought that I must have been dreaming, but I knew that I wasn't. 
This continued sporadically as well until my brother needed his own bedroom and I moved to a new bedroom in the loft space. My sister, she moved into my old bedroom and he moved into her old bedroom. Bizarrely, years later at her wedding reception, she told the story of me tormenting her by poking her in the back some nights when she was trying to go to sleep in my old bedroom, but obviously I never did this. I have to wonder, was it the same small dark shadow that I experienced? So, to begin this, I just enrolled at my university as a mature student. I was 22, so a little bit older than the norm, which is around 18 to 19. And because of this, I was allowed to enter my dorms a week before the rest of the students would arrive. So, I was basically the only person staying in the entire apartment block for the week. Seven floors and probably over a hundred rooms. And I lived on the seventh floor. So... Day one, I was part of a, a head start program for the mature students getting back into education. On my first day, I went to the icebreakers and got to meet my fellow mature students. Quite a good time too, I must admit. The evening comes and I'm leaving everyone and heading back to the block. But none of the friends that I had met earlier in the day lived in my block, so it was kind of sad. But anyway, I, I get back, put a pizza in the oven and just hop into bed and start watching a random stuff on my laptop. About 10 minutes later, I hear the door to my flat open and close, and I think, yes, I've got a flatmate now. That's what I thought, at least. So I rushed up out of bed and went to open my door to greet them. And as I look out from my room into the hallway, there's nothing. No one, in fact. I look either side of the hallway before leaving the room, and it's completely empty. Me being the extrovert that I am though, I assume that maybe they've already gone into their room somehow, so I proceed to knock on all the doors of my flat one by one. There were 10 plus rooms and a kitchen as well. And after knocking on all the doors and getting no answer, I just sort of dismiss it as me hearing things or maybe a weird noise from the oven or something. And in the end, I just eat my pizza and I fall asleep to the TV. So the second day... I wake up full of energy and excited for the new day. I have a mini football that I brought with me and since I'm the only person in the flat, I figured that I'm just going to go kick this ball around and make a ton of noise, that I should probably do that before all my flatmates move in and complain. After all, I have the whole flat to myself for the whole week. So, I immerse myself into smacking this football around the entire flat, off the walls, ceilings, against the oven, fridge, anything really. Plus, it was small, so it wouldn't cause any damage or anything. But after I'm done with that, I go to my introduction sessions and I make a few friends there. One of them is called George. We're all sort of getting along and having a good time and then the evening comes and I have to head back. At this time, I just head into my room, drop my bag down and I head into the kitchen. I make dinner and chill for a bit. Then I head back into my room and watch some more TV. It's starting to get late, like 3 or 4am. I'm definitely a night owl and this is when I start to hear groaning in the hallway outside of my room. It sounds a bit like somebody who has had too much to drink and is sort of stumbling to their room so I open the door but again there's nothing and no one there. Huh, that's weird I thought. I'm sure I heard someone. I cautiously make my way back into bed and 
Maybe five minutes pass when I distinctly hear the sounds of like nails scratching on the outside of my door. So I think to myself, okay, I definitely have a flatmate out there somewhere. They're probably drunk and I'm going to go and help them out. So I rush out the door this time, but same thing. Nobody is there. And this time I got out there so quickly that there's just no way that someone could have disappeared. I even go around and knock on all of the doors again, but there's no answer. This happens a few times that night as well, and I eventually just get really tired and I fall asleep. Day three comes around, and not much happened on the third day, but something that I did notice is that it was strange how my football that I was kicking around the flat would always end up under my bed in the far corner, no matter where I left it the night before. I'd only been there for two nights at this point, so I just thought maybe the floor was uneven or something. I later found out that it wasn't, though. Day four, and same usual routine of going to my sessions and then heading back. This time I'm up late again and I get a bit hungry, so I open my door, which is right next to the kitchen, and as I'm about to enter and turn the light on, I hear, hey, clear as day. It was such a vivid sound that I even pictured George's face in my head as I turned around because it sounded like him. I thought that a new flatmate had come to greet me or something. However, when I do turn, again, there's nobody there. The hallway is completely empty. But I specifically heard someone call out to me. That one was very strange and I got goosebumps from that. I end up going to the fridge grabbing a snack and then I sort of hustled my way back to bed and I fell asleep. Day five after all of the strange goings on in the past four days, I reckon to myself that I do have a flatmate and I just haven't met them yet. So when I get up I knock on all the doors again but there's definitely no answer. I go about my day same as before. I stayed out late this night as there was a little party or sort of social gathering on campus and as I'm coming home now, I open the door to my block with my keycard and walk over to the elevator. I normally press 7th floor and when it arrives, there's this little pleasant sort of jingle female voice that says 7th floor or whatever. And so as usual, I press 7. The elevator has mirrors on every wall, so I'm just sort of staring at my reflection blankly while it goes up. Then as it gets to my floor, instead of the female voice coming out of the lift... It was a male voice. What it said, I don't really recall, but I do remember as I'm looking at my reflection, my eyes bulged open like, what the heck was that? I look at the number and it's my floor. Thinking that my mind is playing tricks on me and maybe it had been a male voice, not a female's the whole time, I press six to go down a floor. When I arrive, just like always though, the female voice comes out of the speaker, announcing sixth floor in the same pleasant tone. Maybe uh, it's a male voice for the seventh and I just haven't noticed. I go back up to my floor and this time it's back to the female voice. Weird, I thought. I head back and I unwind a bit until I fall asleep. Day 6, probably the least eventful day, not much out of the ordinary happened, other than the football always ending up under my bed. So it was kind of a nice change to be honest, but instead I spent the time going floor to floor and just looking at the empty block to see if anyone at all had moved in, but from what I could see, 
no. Day 7 arrives and finally I wake up to the sound of people chatting outside the entrance to my block. I jump out of bed and look out the window, it, over, it overlooked the entrance, and finally some flatmates I thought. I get dressed and head straight down to greet them. There's a group of them that have just arrived and have started moving into the block. When I go over and speak to them, they're talking about ghosts and paranormal things. Then I ask them, why did you bring up that topic? And one of them tells me our campus is haunted. This is apparently the most haunted campus in the UK and that someone had apparently ended their lives in the block that I had just been staying alone in for a week, allegedly a few years prior. He had lived on the sixth floor and had been having a hard time and ended up jumping from his room window or something and I was a bit startled and thought that they were lying but then one of them shows me an online article about it and all that stuff that was happening while I was there by myself the whole week, I had no idea about this history. Then I proceeded to tell them about what had been happening and how I didn't know that the block or the campus itself was haunted. Needless to say, it spooked them out a lot. But hey, at least I've got other people living in the block now too, huh? Over the course of that year that I spent in that block, I experienced many more paranormal occurrences that I haven't included, but yeah, that place is most definitely haunted. There's always a, a really strange feeling there as well. Funnily enough, it's right opposite a cemetery, and I often wondered if there was some sort of connection to that too. During the time that these events had taken place too, I was very comfortable with paranormal experiences, so I didn't really get too scared, I guess you could say, but it always was a, a little bit creepy. More creepy than other places for sure. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I think about this a lot and I truly think that I might have stopped a, a kidnapping just by being in a parked car. So my ex-boyfriend, he lived with me for over a year and there was a period of time where his truck was acting up. So I would pick him up from work and stuff like that. He worked just down the road from my place at a liquor store. So he'd get out at around 10pm on weeknights. One night he asks me to pick him up and I agree. I get all swaddled in my pajamas and drive down to grumpily wait for him. Since my bedtime was around 10pm due to my job and all that. I parked my car in the small parking lot out front. His liquor store is sort of sandwiched between an adult shop and a head shop, party central I guess, but 
By now, the head shop and the liquor store are closed, so their thirds of uh, a lot are mostly empty. The adult shop only had one other car in front of it, and outside the liquor store is my car and one other, three total cars, with a woman standing outside of it, sitting on her hood. I didn't think much of it. I mean, maybe she was waiting for someone in the adult shop or one of my ex-co-workers just relaxing in the summer night air or something. I sit hunched in my seat, car off, playing on my phone, when I notice a white van. I know, cliche, but I think that's why I noticed it. Pull into the lot. It drives sort of slowly, then back out onto the main road. Weird, but maybe they wanted alcohol and saw the store. Weird, but maybe they wanted alcohol and saw that the store was closed. Whatever, I go back to my phone, but... I glance at the woman, still outside of her car, but move between my car and hers. I'd parked a couple of spots over, so close but not too close. I go back to my phone. When the same white van pulls in again and stops in front of her, I sit up slightly to watch. I'm a true crime nut, what can I say? I'm easily alerted. And watch some guy roll down the van window and sort of lean out to talk to the woman. I pull out my phone to snap a photo of the license plate, again just in case, but I can't really see it. So I turn on my car and go to open the door, but the guy in the van instantly pulls away and leaves, like in a hurry. The woman moves closer to my car as I get out and approach her, ask her what was that, and she says that she doesn't know. He was trying to ask her for directions, but stopped mid-sentence when I turned my car on. I asked her if she's waiting for anyone, and... She says, kind of. She's been sitting outside the liquor store for three hours waiting on a tow truck because she locked her keys inside of her car. And she couldn't leave the car because her puppy was in the back seat. Thankfully, not a hot night. It was a, a very nice night, in fact, so she was waiting for a tow truck. As her and I are talking, my ex comes out and asks what's up, and so we decide to help her since there was no way that I was leaving her alone now. I have some rope in my car for emergencies and my ex uses it to basically jimmy her door open, make a lasso and sort of hook it around her door lock and pull it open. It works and we open the door just as the tow truck pulls in. Her puppy is safe of course and we wish her well and I get back in the car and just tell my ex, you know, I genuinely think that I almost just watched her get kidnapped. So, I need to provide a bit of backstory for this. When I was 11 or 12, I can't quite remember which age, but I moved away from my dad's house to live with my mum and stepdad. I'll spare you the details, but it was basically to escape a, a less than desirable situation. Anyway, my mum and her boyfriend at the time, who we'll call Elias, the name of a bad guy from one of my favourite shows, my stepdad looks exactly like him too, rented a house in a pretty sketchy neighborhood. It's all that they could afford at the time, and so, as a result, I went to a pretty rundown school. The teachers and the staff were nice enough, but I've definitely been in more than one scary situation because of this school's location. But I digress. While at this school, I made an assortment of friends, but there was one girl in particular who became my best friend. Her name was Brittany. My new friend was pretty problematic, I guess you could say. She'd talked to a lot of older boys, put herself in less than ideal scenarios, that kind of thing. 
turns out she was acting out during her home life too. Much like me, she was being raised by her stepdad and mother. The only difference is, well, there's a lot, but details and her mum was basically not too keen on her daughter chatting with her biological father, if you catch my drift. Brittany's mum never really disclosed why, but whenever he did come over to talk with Brittany, it was always done under supervision. I only met the guy once. Brittany had invited me over to her house for a sleepover on one occasion, my first time there too, and her dad dropped by unexpectedly. I can't really remember much about what he said to Brittany or how her mum reacted. I'd assumed that it wasn't good, but there is one thing that I can still remember till this day. The minute that he walked in, there was a complete shift in the air. And I'm not talking about tension, but like the hairs on the back of my neck instantly stood up. Like I was prey and there was a wolf nearby. Needless to say, I kept my interactions with Mr. Creepy short and simple, and I kept my distance from him too. That was the only time that I ever met the guy, and I'm very thankful for it too, because, well, fast forward a couple of years, I graduated from that middle school and started high school. I kept in touch with one of my friends, who their name was Rain, but I lost contact with Brittany. I can't exactly remember why, I guess we sort of just stopped talking as much and sort of drifted apart, but... Rain and I had met up at a local mall and were at the food court reminiscing about our middle school days. And that's when Rain perked up and asked me if I'd heard about what happened with Brittany. I obviously said no, that me and her sort of lost contact. Rain grinned that familiar way. She was about to give me some juicy gossip and I knew it. I thought she was going to tell me that Brittany got pregnant or something, but boy oh boy, that couldn't have been further from the truth. Brittany's father is an offender, which I didn't know, but back in 2009, he had picked up a street worker and drove her to a motel. I won't go into detail about what had happened, but a young woman lost her life because of this guy. He managed to get away with it for three years as well before the police were able to find him. And the way that they accomplished it? Well, the police released video surveillance of his truck and released it to the public. Someone was able to identify who the truck belonged to, and the cops were finally able to work their way from there. And from what I hear, he was charged with first-degree murder and will only spend seven years in prison, since he spent a few years in jail while the trial took place. It was a, an extremely sad thing to find out. Brittany and I might have drifted apart, but I can't imagine what she went through and is still going through after what her dad did. I hope that wherever she is, she's doing okay and I hope that the family who lost their loved one is able to find some peace someday too. What a horrible thing to happen. When I was 18, I went on my first trip alone to Seattle from Montana. I was alone with my dog and it was a pretty normal trip overall, except we were driving late at night. I was listening to the BBC talk show on AM and they were talking about some subject I don't really remember but it was spooky and the radio was super static. We were in the area of I-90 that doesn't have much signal and is pretty much just 100% empty and quiet before the pass. I suddenly got really tired and my radio wasn't working so I decided to pull off to sleep. I decided to pull off on a deserted exit with no services. 
I believe it was called Six Mile Road or something like that, but anyways, it was extremely dark out there. I couldn't see anything to my sides or in front of me. There was fog on the road as well, swirling around just in front of my headlights. And there was absolutely nothing around me for like a mile and the road didn't veer off anywhere either. So after a bit of driving, I pulled up to this huge sort of white grey warehouse with no windows. There were several white vans and black cars parked around it. They looked very expensive for being in the middle of nowhere, but the warehouse was locked by a huge barbed wire fence. I backed up my car a bit and I decided to park by the tree since it didn't appear that anybody was around. Everything was still dark and silent. There was no wind except for a slight breeze carrying the fog around the cement. I turned my car off completely and wrapped myself up in my blanket. I locked all the doors and I was laying there trying to sleep and looking at the time on my phone. It was 2am and at that same moment my car started to physically shake. My dog started whining and hid behind the passenger chair, obviously distressed. I looked outside of my window but everything was pitch black without my headlights. I couldn't see anything but... My car was shaking back and forth and side to side even, like something was grabbing it and pushing it around. I turned it on, freaking out and backed up, but there was still nothing around me at all except for the strange facility. There were no animals, no people, not that I could see anyway. My car stopped shaking as soon as I backed up though and I had this horrible feeling of dread and that I was being watched and that I wasn't supposed to be there. So... In the end, I left the area as fast as I could. But the strangest thing is that when I got back on the road, I noticed that my car's time was now 4.30am and I had a quarter of a, a tank less gas. It was already getting light out and I don't remember going anywhere and my phone's time matched the car, so I really don't know what the heck happened. There's only one hour of time difference between Montana and WA, so it wasn't that. And I still to this day just don't know what the heck happened there. I tried looking up the area with my ex on Google Maps a year ago and I found a weird government facility near this place with a weird name that may have been the warehouse that I went to. I'll try to find it again and it definitely feels like something that, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have seen it. So this is a very strange story and I really don't know what to think about it but I'm a member of a website that posts pictures of gravestones for people. One day a picture was requested of a very old gravestone in a graveyard walking distance from my house so I agreed to take it. I walked there, found the grave and stood over the almost 200 year old grave to see if it was the grave that I was looking for considering how degraded the stone was. And as I was standing there, my foot suddenly began to sink into the grave. In fact, I couldn't get out and soon it was up to my hip. I nearly passed out. I was sure that something was going to grab my foot. I think I was in shock, but it took me several minutes to get free and I very nearly lost my shoe. I was sobbing when I was done as I was running away, but that night too, I had an extremely vivid dream that I still remember. I was talking to what I thought was a Civil War soldier on a battlefield. He was telling me all about his life and apologizing for scaring me and he told me to call him Charlie. 
Anyway, the next day I went to church to let them know about the collapsed grave, you know, for safety reasons and all that. They looked it up on their map to make sure it was the one that I was talking about. And I was absolutely jaw-dropped to find out that the grave belonged to a soldier who was killed in the Civil War and his first name was Charles. So this has quite a bit of backstory. Strap in. This all started back in 2011 when I was 12 and had moved into a new home with my family. From the get-go, that place made me feel some type of way. It wasn't good or bad, just like I was always being watched, which of course creeped me out a bit. There were a handful of hotspots too throughout the house where I would feel this. One being what we called the pink bathroom, which was, as you can guess, all pink. Pink tiling, pink sink, pink flooring even, everything. It was also a bit small and I always felt like it was a bit hard to breathe in there and overall I just hated the energy. I figured maybe I was just claustrophobic or something. Another was this part of the hall that led directly into my bedroom and branched off directly into the living room as well. Kind of like a T in a road. But anyways, you almost always felt eyes on you coming from that corner, whether you were in the living room or my room, and it felt just as creepy regardless if it was morning or night. The final spot was, of course, the basement. The basement was half finished. The finished half was like a, a bar area, I guess, but had the stools and everything still there, and the unfinished half was the laundry or storage or sort of workshop thing. Actually, when we first moved in there, my dad and sister and I were looking through the workshop. There were a bunch of old yearbooks from the school that I went to and other memorabilia. We took a break and headed upstairs for lunch and came back to find that the door would no longer open. It seemed like the door handle had fell off while we were away or something and the door was sort of stuck in place. Not super sure how that could have happened, especially considering that it locked from the inside and none of us locked it. But on top of that, my mum had my sister and I wash our dog down in the basement. We had a laundry area and a big tub sink, but we hated doing it. I always felt like when I was down there that someone was just watching me. I even had an idea of what he looked like. I imagined a, a very tall man in a button-up and slacks standing in the corner, right by the entrance to the back of the bar area that resided mainly on the furnished side. My hair would stand on end every time and always I would sprint up those stairs whenever I was done down there and the rest of the house felt off too but those were the big spots that just sort of radiated energy. Anyway, so fast forward a few years and we moved around in 2014 and by that point I had had a handful of bad dreams about that house. I had dreams of it when I lived there which made sense but even after leaving, they seemed to persist. In fact, they actually persisted up to 2020, and by that point, I was 21 years old. I'd been having dreams of that place for nearly a decade, and by this point, the dream sort of escalated to night terrors too. I would wake up screaming in the middle of the night. The dreams always occurred every three to six months, but by April of 2020, I had had three intense night terrors about the house within three months. The last dream being my sister telling me that someone had died in the pink bathroom. I started realizing that maybe something else was going on. 
I started researching the house after this and found that the first owners, the ones who had built that house back in I believe was the 1950s, this seemed like a good place to start anyway. I quickly discovered that it was a family that lived there and that the father had died in the house in the 1980s. Upon further investigation, I learned that he had died of a massive heart attack in the house. This house was located directly across the street from a hospital, like the driveway and the hospital lot entrance sort of lined up a bit. Definitely clued me in on this being a traumatic death, so I continued and I found his wife's obituary too. She had stayed in the house after he had passed and since she had passed more recently, the information regarding their children was more up to date. I immediately felt drawn to one particular child, their one daughter. I actually ended up finding her on Facebook and reaching out too and of course I realized what I was about to do could be potentially harmful or hurtful so I prepared my message accordingly, trying my best not to do that but I even mentioned the hotspots we covered earlier. I didn't mention what sensations or events happened in those areas though since I wanted to see what she had to say. But my heart stopped when I read that he had died in that pink bathroom. And I remembered where I dreamed my sister told me somebody had died in that pink bathroom and now all I could wonder was, could that have been a weird coincidence? She continued to say that she loved his workshop and that he never let anyone in it. And on top of that, always spent time downstairs by that corner entrance in his bar since that's where he kept his favorite drinks. My bedroom belonged to his wife, who no longer loved him the way that he loved her, which would make sense as to why I felt eyes from the doorway, but never would that presence enter my room, I guess. She also shared that she was the child closest with her father, and they shared the room my sister stayed in. I asked my sister about this later on, and... She stated that she definitely felt uncomfortable in the house, but never any specifics. I told the daughter the man that I saw in my imagination, the very tall, well-dressed man, and she said that her dad was 6'3", and a businessman, always in a button-down and slacks. She even sent a picture of him, and man, I was completely startled by how closely this guy looked like the man in my head. After this, I've never had another dream involving that house ever again though. It's been almost three years free of those awful dreams. And sometimes I wonder, could he have used me to tell his daughter that he was so close with that he was still around? That there was more to the other side and that the only way to get my attention was through my dreams? It also seems so self-absorbed to think that he could choose me to do such a thing but... I'm just not sure of any other explanation as to what happened here. All my life I've had weird paranormal or I guess you could say borderline psychic occurrences but this, this one is definitely the most interesting to date. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.